Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 97th program in this series. In the previous message, I was in John chapter 16, verse 33, when Jesus said to his disciples, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And I've been spending some time in the second part of this verse, the part where he says, In the world you will have tribulation. And in the previous message, I was explaining that it's easy for people to pass judgment on God because God is certainly a person who has great ability. And we are obviously people who have substantial needs. And so if God has the ability to meet our needs, and we certainly have needs that need to be met, well, then God's role in existence, in being in existence at all, is to meet the needs that we have. He is supposed to do what he can, what he is able according to his ability, and we are to receive according to our needs, to those according to their abilities and to those according to their needs. This is a fundamental philosophy that the majority of the people who have lived in this world have held to. And so when we consider the existence of God, when people consider the question, if there is a God, then they will follow it up with a definition of who God is supposed to be and how he is supposed to participate in our lives according to the perfection that we define about who he is and what would be important to him. And then, of course, when he fails to fulfill what people believe about who he should be, well, then they will say he either does not exist, and in a sense they're right, the God who they want to believe in doesn't exist. There are many people who are correct from that point of view, or people will say that God is evil. He is absolutely evil because he does not do according to his ability to meet the needs that we have. Now, in the previous program, I also mentioned that there is a belief that God is in total and absolute control. Now, I do believe that God can very well be in total and absolute control, but from what I can tell, he has made the decision to not be in total and absolute control over every molecule of the universe and over every person's will who exists in the planet that he created. Now, he has certainly defined boundaries, boundaries such as we're not going to be able to leave this earth for very long before we need to come back. And we certainly have the boundary of a lifespan that is not eternal, not eternal in a physical sense. It certainly is eternal in a spiritual sense. But we have a limited number 
of years, we have a limited amount of time that we are going to be allowed to be on this planet, in this world, in the flesh, in the condition that we are in. That is a boundary that God has defined. A boundary in the sense that there will be physical death. We don't have enough information to be able to say that he has defined exactly when a person will die. I don't think we have enough information to even begin to really suggest that. However, there is clear indication that there will be a physical death through many possibilities, but it is certain this will eventually take place. And that is a boundary that I believe God has defined in order to assert his control over the planet and over the people who exist in this world. So I'm not willing to say that he has no control because obviously he has established control by defining boundaries such as these things. And there certainly have been many occasions when God has intervened in the lives of people and that participation does express a measure of control. But there is this belief that God has to have total and absolute control. Otherwise, he is not going to fulfill the definition of God that people want to have. And this definition of God goes way back from a philosophical point of view, goes way back to the times of ancient Greece as far as having a really good description, a really good record, written record of these philosophical beliefs. They go back to Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. And Augustine, who was recognized as the most influential Christian theologian of all time, you can find this in any standard encyclopedia. It has been well known that he was the most influential Christian theologian because he described the Bible from the perspective, from the point of view of Greek philosophy, of pagan Greek philosophy. And that's what made him so influential because most people believe in these philosophical beliefs that are consistent with the way that a lot of people would like to believe. And so this popularity is what has made him so influential in history. And of course, Calvin, he taught the exact same stuff that Augustine taught. He said that in his own writings, that he agreed with everything that Augustine had to say. And Augustine just simply Christianized what was said by the pagan Greek philosophers. Now, from the Judaic point of view, from the perspective of Jewish philosophy and Jewish beliefs, there are, of course, the majority of Jews who embrace similar ideas, similar beliefs, just because they don't really have that much of an interest in the living God. But those who have in history have sustained a persuasion or a belief in God that has been, relatively speaking, in the minority, but has been within the rabbinical community, within those who are seeking to know their God, who study the word of God, things like that. And this goes all the way back in recorded history to some very profound events. The most profound event certainly would be those events that were related to the Maccabean Wars, because it was the Maccabean Wars that were the most public events related to the Jews opposing pagan Greek philosophy. In other words, these beliefs that are predominant in the Christian world, 
are the very beliefs that the Jews fought a war over, the Maccabean Wars, that they did not want to embrace those philosophical beliefs. However, these have become the most predominant, the most popular views within the history of the church, within the history of Christianity since the church began. And so I believe that this is an important subject, and these are some things that I can encourage people to look into when it comes to church history and the subject of philosophy, but this is not what these programs are about. I'm not going to be spending a lot of time talking about this subject from a historical and philosophical point of view. I will mention this to tell you what direction you can go in if you would like to explore this yourself according to your own interests. But in these programs, what I'd like to do is stay focused on these individual verses as best I can and show you some things that I believe are important to God. For example, when he says, in this world, you will have tribulation. Some people could look at this and they could say, Jesus has declared that you will have tribulation and this is important to him. He wants you to have tribulation in this world that he has decided out of his great sovereignty, out of his great godness, out of his control, that no matter what, you are definitely, according to his design, according to his desire, you are going to suffer tribulation. This is what some people will believe. They'll look at something like this and they will say, That this is God's design. This is God's desire. What should we think about a God who decides that this is what our life is going to be about? And because people have these philosophical ideas about the power of God, the control of God, the sovereignty of God, these are the views that get conveyed to people. And I have encountered a lot of these people who will not believe in God, who refuse to consider even alternative points of view about how God might think about these things because they've been so spiritually abused by people who have said, you know, the sufferings that you're experiencing in your life, these terrible losses that you have had, all this terrible trauma that you have experienced, God wants you to go through this. This is what he wants He has done this to you because he's God and he's in control. This is what people are told. And then I have to try to get through that and explain to them, no, that is not what this is about. Jesus just simply reports the reality. Look, folks, you are going to experience tribulation. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's God's design, that it's his desire. This is what he means. This is what he's stating. He's telling you that this is going to be a reality. He is reporting the truth of the condition that we are in in this world, the truth of the condition of this world, but this doesn't mean that it is his desire, it is his design. It certainly was not. When he created the world, when he designed the world, and when he created people, This was not part of his design. You can go back and you can read about it in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. This was not part of his original design. It was in Genesis chapter 3 that things changed. 
And things changed because of the decision of Adam and Eve. It was not the decision of God. It was a result of the decision of Adam and Eve. It was a consequence. It was a response. It was something that God decided to do because of the rejection of Adam and Eve. They were the ones who rejected him. So when they rejected him, there were some changes that resulted. And God certainly did make some decisions. But those were in response to the rejection of Adam and Eve. And these decisions that God made were decisions that reflected the best he could do with what he had left. But the tribulation and the suffering that entered into the world were not part of his original design. He gave Adam and Eve the opportunity to make a choice, to make a decision. So this says a lot about our God. We have a God who created people to live on this earth who would have the ability to choose and decide if they want to have a relationship with him or not. And if you haven't noticed, he's even given people the freedom to decide for themselves if they want to even acknowledge his existence or not. So it should be obvious to you to see that for us to have the power of choice, for us to have the ability to decide things for ourselves, is important to God. The consequence of this, however, is that people will decide evil things. People will make the choice to do evil, to reject God. If you want people to have the choice to decide if they want to embrace God, to believe in God, then they also have to have the choice to reject God. That's necessary. This is certainly different from the angels. When God created the angels, from what we can tell from the information that we have at our disposal, they were confronted with the divinity of our God. They were confronted with the reality of his existence to the point that they didn't have a choice. It was self-evident that there is a God. His glory, his eminence is right there before them. Of course there is. So they didn't really have the option. They believed in his existence because that was presented to them in a way that they didn't have an option. His presence was so overwhelming to that kind of an extent. He does not relate to humanity in the same way. He relates to us in a way that is subtle enough that people can decide if they want to acknowledge his existence or not, but the angels did not have that kind of an option. There were many angels who chose to rebel against God, and for them there is no redemption. And there's a lot that we can learn about that subject. I talked about this subject in the series of programs that I did on spiritual warfare. But for us, it's clearly different that our God has given us the ability to even decide for ourselves if we want to even believe in his existence. And if you don't believe me, check around. There are lots of people who don't believe in his existence, and yet he does exist. And so this is clearly important to him. It is important to him to have people in his life who are in his life because they want to be. It is important to him to have people who believe in him because they want to believe in him, who have a relationship with him. And what I mean by a relationship 
is that he speaks to them and they listen to what he has to say. They speak to him and he listens to what they have to say. And he participates in their lives and they participate in his life and in the things that he's doing. This is a fundamental description of a relationship between two people. And we have a God who wants people in his life, he wants people to have a relationship with him because they want to have a relationship with him. So the world that we have that is obviously filled with tribulation and suffering is the consequence, it's what you get when you give people the option to choose. Because it turns out that most people have chosen to reject their God. Most people have chosen that for, of course, a variety of reasons. And it's good to spend time asking people, why do you reject the existence of God? Why do you not want to know who he is? And you'll find that there are many different reasons. A lot of people may not even have a reason. They may not even care if there is a reason. They have no interest in that because they're busy, they're preoccupied with just simply solving the problems of life. What are they going to eat? Where are they going to dwell? How are they going to experience some sense of comfort in the midst of all the struggles and discomfort that they experience in their lives? That These are things that are important to them important to the extent where they just simply don't want to take the time to even consider these kinds of questions. For a lot of people, it's just simply easier. It's easier to reject God, because if you believe that there is a God, well, this is going to take some time. You're going to have a relationship with the person. Obviously, this is going to take a piece out of your life experience to have this relationship, to listen to what he has to say, maybe say some things to him. Be a part of what he's doing. Allow him to be a part of what you're doing. This is going to take a piece out of your life. And when people have busy lives as they are already, to include another person in their life like that can just simply be a little awkward sometimes. And for this reason, it's common for people to consider allowing God or consider having God be a part of their lives to some degree when they experience a disruption. When they experience a disruption in their life and they find themselves needing to redefine their lives in different ways in terms of where they're going to live, what they're going to do, they may have lost many relationships with other people. When people redefine what their life is going to be because there has been a change in their life experience, this is usually the time when people consider the question of God, and maybe I should get some God in my life kind of thing. Especially when they're experiencing tremendous tribulations in their life, and they could certainly use some divine intervention. And God may certainly intervene. I am not the person who will say that he won't. But when he says things like, in this world you're going to have tribulation, obviously... The way that he is going to relate to us, in a broader sense, for the most part, is going to be different from just helping us get through and solve the tribulations that we experience in life. So this is where I believe we should start. We should start by recognizing that our God wants people in his life because they want to be. 
In order to have people like that, they have to have the power. They have to have control to decide if they are going to believe in him or not. Now, when you have in the theological world, in the Christian theological world, when you have the belief that God is in control of everything, in fact, he even decides who's going to be saved and who isn't, then there is no possible way that people who believe in that kind of thing, there is no possible way that they can have a relationship with God in the way that I've just described. It's not possible because their fundamental beliefs, their foundational beliefs will prevent them from having the kind of relationship that I just described. When you say that a person can only believe in God, they can only be a Christian because God has decided that he has predestined them individually, individually to know him and to have a place in the kingdom of heaven, then you're done. There is nowhere to go with that. There is no way that you can move forward with that. And so this is one of the reasons why most people who believe this are, in general, just waiting until they are dead to go to heaven. But this is going to be a big surprise for them to discover that God may not know who they are because it's unlikely that they may know much about who he is. And I'm thankful that he will work these things out. He makes these decisions. But you cannot have a genuine, healthy relationship with a person unless you want to. And this is what God wants. I believe that this is clear, that this is obvious, that this is what he desires. In order to have this, he has to give people the opportunity to choose otherwise. And because the overwhelming majority of the people who have lived in this earth have chosen otherwise, the consequence has been a lot of sin and a lot of tribulation. And that's what you're going to get. And you might think, yeah, but there's certainly a lot of it, so much of it, that is it really worth it? And from what I can tell, from God's point of view, it absolutely is. Yes, it is definitely worth it. Because while he only gets a few people, obviously he only gets a few people, who are in his life because they really want to be, who know him as a person because they really want to, he certainly gets very few people like that. If you don't believe me, you need to get out there in the world and talk with people and get to know people, and you will discover that there are very few. But this is the trade-off. At least he gets some. And it is better for God to have some people in his life because they want to be in his life than to have nobody in his life. So at least he gets some. And I would suggest that as long as he gets one person in all these thousands of years that may pass, if he gets one person who's in his life because they want to be in his life, because they want him to be in their lives, that they know him because they really want to know him, 
and they are participating in the activities that he is a part of, and he gets to participate in their lives also, and to help them grow and help them mature and become different people over a period of time because of his influence in their lives. If he only gets one person in the history of humanity, I think it's reasonable to say that from his point of view, it's worth it. It's worth it for him to have one person who will be close to him for all eternity in this context. You know, the angels will never know their God from the perspective of forgiveness. They will never know their God from the point of view of redemption. They will never know the love of God in the way that we can know the love of God as he has expressed it clearly to us. And through the tribulations and the sufferings that we do experience in life, these turn out to be wonderful opportunities for us to know our God as a person. There is a lot that I can say about that. I did do a series of programs on the subject of suffering where I introduced this topic. But I am out of time for this program, and so I will continue in the next one on how he overcame the world. Thank you for listening. This is the 97th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in John chapter 16, verse 33, where I was explaining that the objective of God is to have a person in his life because this person wants to be in his life. To have a person who knows him because they want to know him, who has a relationship with him because they want to. In order to have this kind of a person in his life, it's necessary for him to give people the option to choose otherwise, to decide otherwise. And this is why we have the world in the condition that it is in. The reason why we have so much tribulation and sin in the world that we have is because most people have decided that they don't want to know their God. If a person is going to have the option to be a part of his life, they have to have the option to not be a part of his life. And while there will be very few people who want to have a genuine relationship with God, it is better for him to have some people than to have no one. And I will speak about how he overcame the world in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net